What up boys and girls, Mark here and um, today for the seventh episode we've got with us Pat Danahy. Pat is a giant American with a very impressive beard who works at me at Google, not, not with me, works at Google in Sydney on a completely different team to me. He has played rugby for the United States of America and I think for Trinity College at one point as I well. Did, yes. And where he learned to drink. <laughs> and um, actually did a master's in Stanford University as well. So a very accomplished man. And it might be good just to hear a little bit about where you started off, Pat. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me on. Thanks for considering me worthy, worthy. of <laughs> podcast uh, status. Um, yeah, so, I mean, just I'll give you the, the, the brief history on, on Pat Danny. Uh, I grew up in a family of four, um, lived in, grew up in Florida, uh, which is a big sports kind of state. Uh, played uh, American football for for most of my life, which is what took me to Stanford. I was a, a American football player at, at in college at Stanford. Oh, right. So, um, uh, yeah, the the lure of a scholarship to uh, a prestigious school like that uh, pulled me across the across the continent. Yeah. To to California from Florida. Would you have had the grades for it? Um, I did well in school. Right. I did well. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I learned quickly once I got into Stanford that uh, well is uh, a very different uh, status <laughs> for a lot of different people. Um, yeah. you know, I did well for, for myself. I, was, I guess I was a, a kind of a bigger fish in a small pond. And yeah. Once I got there, you realize, oh, man, there are some people here on a whole other level. Yeah. Um, so I think... Uh, if I were to, I mean, to be honest with myself, if I were, if I didn't have like my, if I didn't play American football and I didn't do well at it, I don't know if I would have gotten in. Right. Okay. Uh, but they, they were the only school that made me apply. So I actually, I had to go through the application process. Oh, everyone else just said. So all the other schools that I was getting recruited by didn't, didn't make me apply. They're just yeah. like, oh, your grades are totally good enough and your, your scores are totally fine. Just. You're, you're fine. Don't this is hilarious because I was watching The Blind Side last night. Yeah, <laughs> it was totally fun. like that. I mean, the recruiting <laughs> process with college football is insane. Really? I don't even, and I don't even want to imagine what it's like now because I was pre cell phones and all that kind of jazz right. and social media, um, and so now it's like I they they attack you uh, all day every day. There's like press conferences. It's like a huge deal. That's crazy. I mean, but like. When in my di- in my time it was it was still full on like I was getting phone calls nonstop every day from different coaches around the country but um, so it was it was full on and I really wanted to get it over with yeah but uh, but that's what you know I I really appreciated the fact that they made me apply and that they were the only school that made me apply so yeah. um, I think you know, I, yeah yeah actually you, the highest standard there yeah yeah so I got I got um, you know it was it was uh, I like I said I don't know if without my accolades in, in sports, like, w- would I have gotten in? But that being said, um, you know, everybody has their extracurriculars, right? So yeah. a lot of people in that school, you know, if they didn't have their, um, you know, their science uh, award for whatever, or if they didn't have their, like, music, um, you know, accolades, yeah. then they wouldn't have gotten in either. So yeah. I think it's, it's, a, it's a package deal, right? Yeah, so, sure. I mean, this is me kind of justifying my right to go, <laughs> to, go to the school, but once no, I, no. you know, once I got there, you know, it's, it, it was a kind of surreal experience to be amongst this echelon of, uh, of academia that was yeah. just unreal um, so what were you studying what was the course 
So I, I got my undergraduate degree in um, this kind of niche because we they didn't they don't have business they don't have a straight business degree right. an undergrad business degree at Stanford so they have all these kind of like cut out niches of like different elements of business, um, and so the the degree I got was called science technology and society right uh, and effectively it, it kind of the the governing uh, overarching theme of the of the degree was you know how technology and um, um, infrastructures have influenced the way business is done. Um, so it's kind of like a sociological perspective right. on, on business uh, to a certain degree. Uh, and so you do a lot of management classes on how you can you know, influence management uh, and, and, the, and the way business is done um, by, by structure. And then there's also by like tech, you yeah. know, like how tech is. So you know, it, it, it's worked well for me because I've gone into tech and, yeah. and how that and how that kind of kind of plays into um, you know, advertising and business overall. So it's worked out. Um, and then my, my master's that I did was in, um, is, was in economic sociology, kind of the, the sociological structures of different economic philosophies and the theories and stuff like that. Right. Uh, okay. Would you have read all about like kind of Marxism and all oh, that yeah. sort of yeah, stuff? Yeah, I well? read all about, about, about all that stuff. Um, I mean, my focus, uh, within my master's was more along what they called, uh, management science and engineering. So right. it was, uh, I, I focused, more along, um, again, similar to my undergraduate degree around uh, the infrastructures and structures that allow businesses to be successful, yeah. um, and and like kind of from from a sociological perspective, kind of like a almost like I, I also took like archaeology classes and stuff like that, which was cool. Yeah, um, which actually led to some really cool experiences down the line that I'll I'll get into later. But um, but yeah, so there was uh. uh it, it, it all kind of wrapped up into being like when I explain to people in like my elevator pitch of what my degree is, it's kind of just like management science and uh, um, uh, economic sociology. Kind yeah. Of. Or well, organizational behavior is, is probably a, a better kind of. A good measure thing. is like what did most of the people in your class end up going on to do? Um, there's a few, there, there's a few people that jumped in. Well, I mean, it's kind of tough because I graduated and I finished in 2008, right? So it came out right in the middle of the economic oh, crisis. Yeah. So people kind of took jobs wherever they could find them. Yeah. You know, you couldn't really be too particular. Um, which is also one of, like, when I graduated in 2008, uh, because of the crisis, uh, it was one of the reasons I decided to pursue rugby more full time uh, because it was like, you know, jobs are so scarce right now. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't really get, I don't think, penalized in the kind of perspective of my career yeah. at this point to pursue something like this full time. Uh, and I can come back later. And people, I think, like, future potential job um, or employers would understand those circumstances. Um, what, what age were you at this time? This was, so I finished grad school and um, I was 23. 23 right yeah, okay yeah so, yeah. so you're able to take a couple of risks yeah and i mean i think i mean i think in general um that at that age you can regardless of what the economic situation is in the in the world you can take risks at yeah that point and, and, and and be fine with it you but know? coming out of stanford so like you talked about the cultural shock going in there where you know doing well was a completely different term when they yeah. came to stanford these guys would be so career and money and power focused. I'm, I'm guessing from the outside in. Yeah. What's the culture actually like in there? Is it kind of? Is Dude, it like it that? was. 
it's one of my favorite places in the whole world. Really? I, I felt so fortunate to go to school there. Um, if anybody's considering going to school there, I highly recommend it. Um, because, you know, you, you, I came in with that same perspective. Like, these are, like, future titans of industry, right? <laughs> like, these people are going to be just crazy driven. And there are, there, I mean, everybody is incredibly driven. Uh, there's a funny saying that they that I picked up while I was there, though, is that everybody, uh, they kind of equate Stanford to um, ducks on a pond. So, like, everybody if you look at ducks on a pond they look like they're all just cruising on the yeah. surface right but if you get under the water they're all pedaling their ass off under the water huh. right so like that's very indicative of how how stanford was like that's everybody crazy. everybody just is like it, it appears to be like calm level-headed cool like everybody parties like yeah. it's, it's it's still like a, co- a college in, environment but um then you kind of like peel the curtains back a little bit and you see these people uh, on their off hours like not partying and they're geniuses and they're working their tails off and they're doing crazy things and so it's it's a you know it's a work hard play hard kind of mentality um and these people and everybody puts up a good front of like i'm I'm having fun having a great time but they're all putting a shit ton of work in and do people get caught off there or it's like oh they look around everybody's just cruising i'm just gonna cruise and they don't even realize that they're meant to be pedaling underneath uh i think that yeah but I, i think more probably the case is everybody has kind of this um I mean, and, and it's it's well known. Like everybody has this kind of an existential crisis at some point while they're in their f- first first trimester there, um, <laughs> and it's more along the lines of like, like you you get that realization because it's not hard to see after you go to like a, a certain number of classes like how extraordinary the student body is there. Yeah. And so you sit down and you go through your first like you know a uh, couple months of classes and you see all of these people and every and without fail every single person that goes to the school um has this kind of breakdown at some point where they're like i don't belong here like yeah. these people are this this is a whole nother level of just like intelligence and, and yeah. crazy i mean i'm sure there's always always there's gonna be some arrogant cocky people that are just like oh this is yeah i'm the best but Finally, most I'm people <laughs> most people are like holy crap like this is this is intense yeah I don't like. I was a mistake. You know that, that that's like a constant. What's like, that uh, called? The fraud syndrome. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. I can't remember. There's there's a whole kind of yeah. uh, psychological perspective yeah, on it. But but yeah. So like um, it's it's totally true, and everybody had it. I had it totally. Um, you know, and and I think athletes tend to have it more significantly because they have yeah. like they they think like oh I don't belong here that I was I'm 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 only here because I'm an athlete. Yeah. Whatever. But and then you kind of get into the thick of things, and like I said. Um, you know, they're not interested. Stanford's not interested in just pumping out strictly, you know, academics. They want yeah. to pick, pick uh, broad people that are going to have broader impacts on a whole range of things, and so they want packaged people, right? Yeah. And so you know, your athletics is part of part of your package, and so people, it it takes a while for people to realize that, um, you know, it's not like it it shouldn't be considered a. Um, like a detriment or like a, a a downfall that you were you you were an athlete at the school like it's it's just part of your package yeah that 100%. Made you get there right so uh, imposter syndrome is what that thing's called yes yes um, exactly if I was a university lecturer there in Stanford and I, everyone came in on the first day and there was ninety people there who were like the academic kind like you know the straight A students whatever let's just say they're the color blue and then you have a couple of athletes who are the color green a musician who's the color red whatever. 
we don't we got 90 color blues we don't need 91 92 won't make any difference but we got 90 color blues and then we got a couple of color greens and a couple yeah. of reds those guys are adding more value than incrementally than yeah. any one extra color blue you know exactly. what i mean yeah. and i if i was a lecturer i'd say to the athletes and the people who the people who are most affected by imposter syndrome yes you are different but your difference isn't the reason you shouldn't be here. It's the reason you, you are here. You are exactly. here, and yeah. the reason you can add even more value. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, and I think, uh, to be honest with you, the staff and the professors and the teachers were where I probably got the most support, and I think right. it was because they had that perspective. Yeah, you know, they, they can see that. They have the experience and the perspective to know that, um, and you know, and they also, I mean, there's a certain level of, uh, you know. They also there's a certain level of respect for the discipline that it takes because, like, it's it's college like high level college athletics in in the states is real serious football you know? like yeah. sports. I mean, I was doing like sixty seventy hours of football per week what? on top on top of of on top Wait, of classes in sixty stuff. what at least yeah i mean it was nuts i mean it's it's full on you what i do mean you do? i mean you get up in like an average day we would do like you would go into you would have um you'd have weight weightlifting at like 6 a.m six or seven a.m uh you'd go to weightlifting you would then you would eat breakfast um and then you would have your classes from like uh eight thirty or nine till um you couldn't have classes past like one because you would start meetings at that point. So every day you would have meetings starting at like one thirty, where you would watch about an hour and a half of film from either the game prior or the, the date the day before training. So you, because all the trainings are taped. Are they taped as well? So you'd watch all, all of the training that you did the day before and like nitpick and pick out all of your errors and your, uh, and what you did well and, and whatever. So you do like about an hour and a half of film every day. And then you have meetings that talk about like what the game plan is for the next day. So you have, end up having about two and a half hours of meeting from like 1, one one thirty till um, like 3, 3.30 or like you know, maybe even close to 4 sometimes depending on what day of the week it was. And then you would have, and then you would have your training. And your training would be about an hour and a half, two hours uh, depending on the day. Um, and then you would have dinner. Uh, with the team right after that and then you'd have a little bit of time at the end of the night to do some work for school and and then you tried to get to bed early because you had to be up the next morning early for weight training again you know and so it's, it's like I mean the, 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 the schedule of the day is, is rough and that's like a in season out yeah. of season is even rougher because you'll do like multiple trainings per day and stuff like that um, that's crazy. And so it's it's full on, and and then you're traveling on the weekends for games yeah. and stuff. You know, if you're away games, and um, and and then they're always pushing you to get more film time in and extra training and stuff like that. So and, were you just trying to keep your head above water academically? Oh, if I didn't play football, I would have done much better in school. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because you, I mean, you're you you tread water. Like you're just you're you're trying to. I mean, there's not enough time in the day. Yeah. There's just not enough time in the day, and um, which makes it even more. Like I have teammates that I played with that are incredible, like neuroscientists and and uh, uh, physicists and doctors and all this kind of crazy stuff, and the fact that they were able to put to piece together that like a, a academically rigorous of a, a, yeah. a class schedule on top of what I know was our rigorous training schedule 
it just blows my mind. Yeah. But those are the people that like that. That's why like I was kind of tying it back. That's why professors and teachers like when they see the athletes like putting in the effort to yeah. like do the class and and are trying and working hard. They know what's going on in the back end yeah. behind that, and that's why they have like a. A, 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 a large amount of respect for those for and those rightly athletes. so yeah. I'm in awe of people like that do that so you know you know Jamie Roberts the rugby player for yeah. Wales yeah he was playing the Six Nations and, and doing his doctor exams yeah. at the same time I it's was crazy. baffled when I heard that yeah I mean and, and it's and I love seeing those stories same. and that's and that's the best part about the school is because uh, like at Stanford that was what we like all the athletes were doing yeah. Like, yeah there was not there was so many instances that i i met people that were doing that were like national champions in their respective sport whether it be like like sometimes it'd be kind of fringe sports like synchronized swimming or um you know um lacrosse or uh what else is there like cross country and all these kind of like not so popular yeah sports. like niche sports yeah but they like they're they 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 they're dedicated to yeah. it and they love it and they and they are the best at it yeah in the in the whole country and then on top of that they're like pre med and or something some crazy degrees wow. and stuff like that you know and so um it's like I I I have the utmost respect for everybody at that school um, especially um, the people that are putting in extra doing hours things. and doing a, a, uh, athletics does that even put sort of more pressure on people to say okay I'm getting straight A's but that guy's getting straight A's and playing rugby or football or lacrosse oh I think it yeah I think it's totally I mean I don't know how it is uh, I mean I got a little bit of taste of how it was in Ireland in terms of like you know growing yeah. going into the university system uh, but in the states I know for sure I mean people start thinking about extracurriculars when their kids are super young yeah like I have my son starting uh school next year and I know there's already parents that are like okay let's get them into xyz sport or xyz yeah. extracurricular get them like looped into this early so that they're like awesome at it by the time they're you know 17 yeah. and they can have that on their transcript Ireland um, is pretty bad for it but the high school I went to is particularly bad for like it's not the high school's fault but the kids there when they leave and they go to uni because they've been boarding school for six years they just want to go on the piss a lot yeah. and they end up not yeah. doing any like they play rugby basically but other than that they just go on the piss and they do the odd bit of weights like I do so much extracurriculars now I didn't yeah. do anything when I was in college yeah and um, I think huge I, regret I think it's a, yeah I think that that's something that everybody should be aware Definitely. of at, at, at least when you're starting high school or like you know whatever grade nine or year nine or whatever yeah. however you kind of whatever nomenclature you're using but um i think it's i you know and i don't think it has to be the stereotypical stuff like it doesn't have to be sport it doesn't have to be whatever Anything. it can be whatever you're interested in as long as you just attack it like yeah. full on right yeah. like we had a guy on my on my football team that i played with who was you know a scholarship football player but he was an uh, aeronautical engineer, and he, um, he, he made a statement, pretty big statement, when he first came in as a freshman because he missed the first freshman training camps before the, the preseason camps, that, which are, like, big deal. Like, that's right. where you, you first come in and you start to do all your conditioning and all yeah. the crazy stuff. Um, he missed all of that because he was competing in the, like, world championship glider competition or something where he designed... 
his own airplane glider and like you throw and like there's con- they make these big competitions where you like get like just a throw and whoever can like get their plane to go the furthest or whatever wins and it's all based on like you know engineering and design work and he was like a world champion in that wait know? it's not paper airplanes no it's big oh, proper big things. like right, planes okay, right. like not paper airplanes like big like model like yeah, right. six foot planes that he built Jeez, and designed that's amazing. and now he works now he works for the military he's an, right. he's an aeronautical engineer yeah. space uh, he's a space uh, aerospace and aeronautical engineer now god how inspiring to be surrounded by like a hundred different people like that it's, it's incredible like I and, and I think for me like talking about like regrets like you know, not doing extracurriculars, whatever. For me, my, my, like one of my few regrets that I have in life really is not taking advantage of that more while I was in school. Yeah. Uh, I mean, granted my time was pretty limited because of sport, but, um, you know, there's so many great opportunities to meet more people and to just really dig into the classes that I was in. Like, yeah. I wish I would have taken advantage more of, cause they have amazing, and every uni- like every university will have in in some areas amazing professors that have like crazy stories and histories and yeah. uh and and are just hyper they're just like again titans of their field and so like not i i don't think that i fully appreciated that yeah. at the time and i think that was just a i was just young and naive mm. you know and i was focused on sport more um that that like i was so ingrained in that that yeah. i was I was kind of blind, like had blinders on to a certain degree. Um, and I wish I would have dug into that more because there's so many amazing opportunities to just, I mean, just soak up yeah. stuff from, from, from whether it be the professors or the, the rest of the student body that was there. And at that time in your life as well. So one thing I'm thinking about these days is I'd actually really like to be a professor later on in life, yeah. but eventually I think it's a really cool job. It's a, it's a really cool job. And, and like, um, I think, you know, there's a lot to be said about like imparting wisdom, you and know, like yeah. helping mold these humans at the most formative time of their lives as well. Yeah. Like it's really, really cool. Um, and I think, and I think, yeah, I think there's a lot to be, um, I think for me, I almost wish I would have taken like, I wish there would have, I wish it was more normal to take like gap years or like longer yeah. term. Like, cause I think if I would have started uni a couple years later, I might've gotten to the point where I realized I needed to appreciate yeah. this more. I yeah. would have appreciated it a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think, think I think the standard well. of like eight, 18, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm only thirty two now, but it's a, a but like that's a, a big fourteen years. I know, but yeah, and I feel like a hundred percent different person, yeah, and same. I feel so old being the guy that's like, like you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but like, um, like. It's so interesting to talk to like younger guys because you know on on the rugby team I play on now there's like all kinds of twenty two twenty three yeah. year old guys and it's um and it's so interesting to be like oh man I feel so I, it's so cliche but I'm like you guys don't know that you don't know that you don't know yeah, yeah like it's it's and it's and it's so much more apparent to me how naive I was at that age now I'm like that already at twenty five yeah. like God if I was to go into uni now I would be I would like not stop. Oh. joining clubs trying to like I'd be having one to ones with every professor yeah having one to ones with students I'd be doing everything like, totally di- I would have approached it totally differently yes that, yeah. that, that's one of my easily I think it's number one is not like just soaking up more yeah in uni I spent half a uni bloody eating ice cream watching movies hung over like I should have been I, I was the same way you know? <laughs> yeah. I was the exact same way and Gosh. so I totally 
And yeah, my my wife um, is she she we met in university, so she was there as well. Right. And we she she has the same thing, and she was and she wasn't an athlete, right? Yeah. You know, and 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 so she, I think I think I'll, I think it's just the time of your life that that you're in uni. I think most everybody doesn't really fully appreciate. Yeah. It takes a, a pretty high level of maturity to really grasp Definitely. what's happening. Yeah. And as much as people might think that they have that at that age, I don't, I, don't, I, I know I didn't. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure most, most people don't. Yeah. I, in a way, I remember there's a couple of lads there that were doing the Leinster, they were doing my commerce degree and they were doing the Leinster Academy as well. Uh-huh. And so they were flat out, they were always on. And yeah. I was kind of like jealous. I was like, I wish I had something that I was that, I was that into. You yeah. know what I mean? That would just keep driving, driving, driving. Um, so anyone out there who is thinking about getting into something, fucking do it. Like, go yeah. and give your full to something. And I think, you know, and like I said, it doesn't have to be any. If you're like, if you're, if you like doing if it's flying drawing kites. comics, or yeah. if you like doing whatever, just do it full on. Yeah. Because everything is notable. Like, yeah. if, you, if, if you put enough into it and you, and you kind of, Put your heart into it like everything can be a notable uh, achievement yeah uh, that people who are smart are going to recognize exactly you know? like if, if it's flying kites and then you show up at an interview four years later for google and they're saying what the hell is all this flying kite flying business you say i was the best damn kite flyer i yeah. used to do it 16 hours a week then say well geez whatever it is fair enough you yeah. gave something some you real it, commitment yeah, you, put, yeah. you committed to it you put into yeah. it you know so i think i i, I think people I don't think you have to go down the path that you know, like that, like that I went, which is kind of a standard path, which is yeah. like athletics and academics. But um, so I think, yeah, yeah, a chase whatever makes you happy. And another thing that the secret of Stanford sounds like it's the people who are overachievers and really kind of pushing themselves. If you're somewhere like I was in UCD, where it's a bit more of a relaxed culture, anywhere like that, find the people who are pushing themselves and it's, just gravitate it, towards yeah, them. Yeah, I think it really. It, who you surround yourself with is really important. Huge. It's a massive influence on you, who your day-to-day kind of interactions are yeah. with. And, and it rubs off on you. If you've got people that are, um, you know, working their ass off and dedicated and motivated, then that's that going to be something you. that you're going to start to pick up on. Yeah, um, 100%. Um, let's talk about the rugby. So yeah. basically, you go into Stanford, you're doing this degree and playing college football at the same time. Yeah. How long did that last with the football? So with football, so there's rules with football where you, you can, uh, you get, when you're on scholarship, you get five years to play four years. So you have to sit out, you get a year to sit out. And most people, uh, the standard operating procedure is you sit out your first year. um, And that's so that you can get bigger, get stronger, get faster, like kind of catch up with the other athletes that you're playing with that have been there for a few years and kind of already gotten that head start and know the system and are, you know, at 18, you're not fully developed yet, yeah. you know? So they, they're like a 21 year old versus 18 year old is a pretty big difference yeah. in terms of like strength and speed and whatnot. Um, so you usually sit out your first year and Just use that up. as like a catch up. Yeah, jack up here. And then you play your, your last four years. Um, but I, I played my first four years, so I came in and I started playing right away. Um, <laughs> and then, um, so I played my first four years and, um, and then once you exhaust your eligibility, you can't play college football anymore. Right. Um, and so you either go to the NFL or you don't play anymore. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think it will be a, a huge downfall of American football in the future. Like the fact that it's monopolized and there's no 
no possibility to play the sport outside yeah, of the professional is, uh, is, is going to be terrible for, yeah, for the sport in the nuts. long run. Um, uh, so anyway, so I played my first four years. Um, and then uh, once I finished that, I was very excited about being just a student and not having all of these athletic requirements. Yeah. And so I, I started a, a master's program. And so like because I had like my extra fifth year, um, they, they honored my fifth year of scholarship and paid for my master's oh, as nice. well, uh, which was fantastic. God, and so, yeah, so um, they, while I was doing my master's, I had some mates from classes that were rugby players, and they were like, hey, like, you're an athlete that is done playing football. Yeah. Like, can we kind of pull you to rugby? Right. And I was like, nah, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to just being a student for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they're like, well, we're going to Ireland for a tour, uh, this Christmas if, and like, you could use that as your kickoff. And I was like, well, I've never been to Ireland. Uh, all right, cool. I'll do it. And it's like, it could be fun. I'm looking to have some party, like the party a little <laughs> yeah. bit more as well. Uh, and so I went to, uh, Ireland and we, that was my first foray into rugby was, I was playing in, in Ireland. I was training there. And the first game I ever played against was against Trinity. Right. Uh, we played against like their like under twenties like B side, right, you know, okay. and we got smashed. Really? Oh yeah. Um, and it was my first game I ever played in. Um, and it was funny. I like I ran out of bounds like three times. <laughs> I like, didn't know the rules. I tried to tap out like because in football there's like an international like a, or not international <laughs> I guess national. Uh, symbol like where you just tap your head right. and that means like I need a break like let me get like a two minute break and I'll go back on and so I didn't know the rules and so I, I was going you know balls to the wall for the first five minutes of the match and I was all over the pitch doing all kinds of stuff and then I was like exhausted <sighs> and so I'm like trying to tap and get a break and my coach is like no you can't leave and I was like, what are you talking about? Do you see all the work I've been doing? Like, can I get a break? Just give me two minutes. I'll go back on. They're like, no, if you come off, you can't go back on. So and I was, and that was my, like, realization. I was like, oh, this is a whole different type of sport and, like, conditioning level that I'm not ready for. I feel for. proud thinking and, how much shit the Irish kids would have given me. Oh, they gave me so much. Um, and so, the, and then the rest of the game I was useless because I was exhausted. Um, but I guess I wasn't useless. I wasn't too useless because... Um, you know, the head coach of Trinity saw something in me and liked, like, saw potential in me. Right. So the next year after I finished up um, college, I, I played a year with the Stanford fo- uh, rugby team. Um, and after after I did that, um, I was, you know, it was, again, 2008. I was, like, trying to find yeah. a job or whatever. And they called me up. The head coach from Trinity called me up and asked if I wanted to come and play for them. And they would pay me to come play there. Um, cause they get one foreign player every year, um, on the, they can have one foreign player right. on the roster. And so I was like, all right, cool. Like if I'm going to do this, this is the time to do it. Yeah. And so I was like, and I had a long conversation with my dad who, my dad was, uh, at, at, uh in HR. He's like a senior right. VP for some big, uh, companies in HR. So he knows, like, I always ask him about like, okay, how will this appear? Oh yeah. Like yeah. moving forward for me. Yeah. And he's like go for it he's like this is like your time like you're never gonna be able to do this again yeah like if you wait and get a job and then try and do this again you're gonna be older and not in the same shape and the opportunity won't be there he's like so go for this now it's not gonna hurt your career like if anything it'll boost it's like a 
an inter- and again an interesting story where yeah. like you committed to something and you went after it um, and so I was like okay cool so I was like right, I'm gonna go do this and then I'm gonna see if I can you know get on the US side um, and so I went and I played at Trinity and started trying to like inch my way or get recognized by the US team and um, slowly I got asked to some camps and stuff like that and then got pulled into the system and then started touring with the US team that's after, awesome yeah um, Strange question about the US team. Yeah. They don't rank as highly as some of the others, but they were they really well funded? Uh, I can imagine them really. being well funded. Oh, are they not? No, I mean, I was broke when I was playing rugby. Oh, no, not like, <laughs> not like the way you'd be paying, but like I know the Tongan teams, they stay in hostels and stuff when they go yeah. to World Cups. Would the US team have like really nice hotels and all that sort of jazz? Um, nah, I mean, we'd, pl- we'd stay in hotels. We wouldn't stay in hostels. <laughs> but um, but they, I wouldn't say they were like fantastic. But right, it, they okay. were nice. I mean, it was, it was, cra- it was a big drop off for me because when I played oh, you know, football, football yeah. we were staying in like the Ritz and crazy yeah. pl- nice places. And like we had our own plane to fly us around. We in had like, football. yeah, we had police escorts everywhere that we went like our buses had police escorts everywhere they'd shut down highways to get us to the thing this it was crazy nuts. you could see where kids egos just get out of control yeah and, and mine definitely got inflated through that process and then you and then it got knocked down pretty quickly when i started playing rugby and you see like and they're, they're, they're they're bootstrapping it right yeah you know, you know? it's so, a pretty down to sport yeah, yeah. and like, so that was that was a welcomed like I look back and that was re- it was a good thing yeah. for me to have happen. Um, this college football thing, I've never understood it. So the kids don't get paid, but they get bigger crowds than the I mean, NFL. How does that work? Total BS. Like the the athletes should get paid. Like, and I don't care. Like I'm obviously out of it. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not asking for retributions or anything. <laughs> but if you're running a billion dollar industry and your main worker, your main employees who are the main attractant for yeah. that billion dollars, multiple billions of dollars, aren't seeing any money at yeah. all is, is ridiculous. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. It's really ridiculous. And, then the, and, the, and I mean, I, I had players, guys on my team that would, you know, you get stipend checks that pay for, you get a check that pays for, uh, that helps you pay for, like if you live off campus, it'll pay your rent right. and, they, and it's for your books and for food. Like, yeah. so you get all that covered on your scholarship. And, but I had guys that, like they came from such kind of poor upbringings they could have really like, done with and them. they would take their stipend checks and just send them home to their families really and then they would scrap together food like somehow um and well, pay the cheap, and then like cash. live in like living rooms of places you know so they pay really dirt cheap rent um that's crazy and you know meanwhile the coaches are making like Ten million dollars a year, you know, and like and oh, living on, in these actually like, making like ten million. Oh, there's some, yeah, like some of the big college coaches are making mul- multiples of millions. So it's ridiculous that you know there's this dichotomy of like, like people making millions and institutions making billions, yeah, and then the people that like the main workforce are making zero. You know, it's just it blows my mind, and I think it's going to come to a head at some point. But they, they, they put up this annoying, like, platitude that's like, oh, but they're getting, you know, it's about education. Well, you know, but yeah. no. And it's like, mm, spare me. It's a business. <laughs> like, come on. What are the crowds like? 40, 50,000? Um, our, our stadium, our home stadium fit, like, 60. Um, and we 
we do pretty well. We fill it out. But I mean, like the biggest crowd I played in front of would be like ninety five thousand or something like that. To watch college students who don't get paid yeah. play football. Yeah, that I mean the biggest nuts. stadiums in in the U S. are all college stadiums. So like Penn State and Michigan both have like hundred twenty thousand person stadiums that they, that they people, sell out every week. Do people do I have this right? People show up because they're more excited about seeing the next star than seeing the actual stars of today. So they show up more to college than to NFL because they're interested uh, in tomorrow's well, because there's an, they, cause, because they have a closer attachment to it, right? Because uh, like, okay. they went to the school yeah. or they like live near the school or like they or they know like there's like an e- there's a, uh, a an easier attachment to yeah. those types of institutions because you could be a part of them. Yeah. Whereas like you know an NFL team, there's how are you going to be a part of an NFL team like you work you could work for them maybe but like that's the only potential like actual close attachment that you could have and so most I I mean NFL still trumps trumps college in terms of I think actual like revenue and whatnot but like uh, in terms of like rabid fans and like Mm. attendance and like um, loyalty I think college it really wins that one yeah that's pretty nice I'm a big I, I like college much more than NFL. Yeah. Um, what was it like? How do you keep your brain going when you're doing this stuff? So I'm thinking about like you go off, you, um, you get rid of the career path for a while and you go and play rugby in Trinity and so on, and then you jump back onto the career path. How did you bridge that gap? Yeah, I mean, it was a, that was a, um, that was a, it wasn't an accident. Like I, I definitely, I made a decision. So for me, it was, you know, I played, you know, I went and played rugby and then I did like three, three and a half or four years through to the world cup in 2011 and i was like totally dedicated to like making that happen like that was my end goal is i wanted to play in the world cup right um but i also knew that because i in that time span you know as i was playing with guys on the national team and seeing what kind of lifestyles they live and yeah. older guys that have been in it for a while um i knew that as I as I did that, and as I distanced myself from my degree, it would be mu- it would be much harder to not pigeonhole myself into a career that I probably didn't want, yeah. which was a rugby based career. Yeah. Uh, and whether that be like coaching or training or, you know, f- physical fitness or yeah. something like that, um, I didn't want that at all. And I and I and I've seen guys that stuck in it and and played it through till their like mid thirties. And and then afterwards, you're like, then they have no choice. They yeah. have to go into something related to what they've been doing for the last twelve, fifteen yeah. years. Um, and so I knew that once I finished, once I played in the World Cup, um, I was, and I was also like, I, I was, I wanted, I needed more mental stimuli. Yeah. Like I needed, I needed to kind of get into that space again. Um, and so I, I, I just said, okay, after the World Cup. Instead of having them fly me, I was living in Atlanta at the time. Instead of them flying me back to Atlanta after the World Cup in New Zealand, I had them fly me to San Francisco. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to figure it out. I'm going to come fly into San Francisco. I have you know, a ton of friends that yeah. still live in the area, so I'll just crash on their couches and I'll find a job. Right. And so I, I, and I was like, and I'm just going to hang up the boots for a while. Yeah. Um, and so that that was a, a definite it was like a decision Very deliberate a deliberate decision sure. that i that I, I wanted to make yeah. um i didn't want to go down that career path uh i wanted to i wanted to get back into 
something related to what I did in school. Was that scary or like insecure for you, wondering if you were going to get back into something, or um, you know, people would take you sort of? Yeah, I think um, I think it's very scary, and I think I think that's like in terms of like life lessons, that was a, like I, looking back, like that's kind of one of the big things that I uh, that I've picked up on throughout my time was this kind of like adaptability and flexibility yeah. like and and being able to let go which was a scary thing because let go of the rugby yeah or let go of football or let go of whatever because um I, I mean you know like you were you were dug into it deep as an athlete you kind of have this like myopic kind of blinder perspective of like your goals right yeah. like you're like these are my goals and this is what i have to achieve and the prospect of like stopping or like diverging is is quitting it's 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 the equivalent of like giving up and i think that my the realization that that's not necessarily the case like changing paths or diverting or adapting isn't giving up on your goals it's it's kind of a a more intelligent um it's finding a more intelligent way forward and 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 maybe that doesn't include what you thought it used to include yeah. you know and for for me like letting go of football was a big deal and and saying like you know i like okay this like this like i was playing since i was like 7 you know till i was 23 mm. and like letting that go it was was hard and i know a lot of people that have really rough times with that um coming oh, out of college it's football. like it's like a huge breakup i think yeah. it's the thing you love for all I mean, your life i try and explain it to people like my and i'm like look this is something that for my entire life since i was seven years old like every decision i ever made in my life was like okay cool yeah. how's this gonna affect school how's this gonna affect my family and how's this gonna affect football you know <laughs> like and you take away like a third of that decision making process and you're kind of like lost to a certain degree on like okay well what what steers me now yeah. you know um and so kind of being able to let that go and kind of jump into other new things um w- was scary but i think super enlightening and very important yeah um uh, and you know I, i've kind of try to do that more now and so like you know moving to australia was like one of those it's like you know it's like this could be really cool and it's been mm. super good for me in terms of my career and just like life happiness like i love being here yeah and 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 but those are like big scary jumps to very make, scary you know? to do yeah and um it reminds me of um there was a great uh like i was kind of thinking you, you sent me like kind of those notes on like some things that we might yeah. talk about and uh like things that inspired me and um there was I remember when I because I was I lived in Australia before when I was training for rugby and I because I wanted to get some southern hemisphere uh training in and I was um I was a a greensman at Wallara Oval um to make ends meet and 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 like we were like as a U.S. rugby player you don't get paid like you get paid pretty much nothing um and so I I was working like I was a bouncer I was doing all these like kind of odd jobs and I hated all of them because I was like it was like the antithesis of everything I worked for like yeah. I was always like I went to I like worked my ass off and worked my ass off academically and a- athletically to go to a good school so I didn't have to do jobs like this yeah. um, but there's this really great uh, it's kind of cliche I think because because it's pretty popular but Steve Jobs did a, a commencement speech at Stanford yeah. I think in like 2004 where he talks about like stay foolish stay really? hungry yeah you would have been a student then I was a student but I didn't go to the commencement yeah, okay. yeah it was like my first year uh, okay. I didn't go um 
but he and he gave a fantastic commencement speech. It's the best speech I've ever heard. I love it. And I used to when I was working on the golf course, I used to just I had my iPad, uh, my iPod, and I would listen to it while I worked really? just to like calm myself down and be like, okay, look, this is this is progress towards a goal. Like like this, it might seem like you're like taking a step backwards yeah. from like what you had planned on doing or what you were what your goals were or what you anticipated doing at this point in your life but um like but but it's a necessary step forward towards a goal that you that I've yeah. committed to um and so like and there's and there's lots of great little nuggets in that speech it's incredible uh and so I, I would just constantly constantly listen to that while I was whenever I would get depressed about my current state yeah and and it was it was a it was a it was like an uplifting thing but okay cool you know what screw it yes I'm going after this yeah, yeah. um and so I think uh you know being being you know staying foolish staying hungry being adaptable and being able to let go and like and change paths is, is yeah. was essential and like a huge life lesson for me there's a big one there that's attached it's not jobs it's actually Paolo Coelho a fav- probably my favorite writer who talks about like being kind of comfortable with your own path so even if it looks like a silly path to everyone else or even if it's completely different to the yeah. path everyone else is on and whatever the may, case may be about your path if you feel it's your path just keep going down it yeah. and don't kind of question it at all if it feels right just do it and then in turn don't question other people's paths if you're doing something weird I'm yeah. not going to go judging you about it if it's your path it's your path and yeah. just accept that I mean being comfortable with the path I think is that was a big lesson I learned from him and that's very in line with what you're saying I think yeah and I think um, you know, and, it, and it all ties back to what we were talking about earlier like um, in terms of you know finding what you like and, and pursuing it with, with, with your whole heart yeah because and, and that because that is respectable like yeah. regardless of what it is that you're doing you know yeah. it might not be the standardized kind of um, checklist of of things that you see typically on on students applying for schools or whatever their extracurriculars mm. but if you've got something that you really dig you know then just jump into that hole yeah. hole with both feet and 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 chase it as much as you can and that's going to be the most that's going to be the way you be the most successful right yeah i can't recommend that enough just dig your, dig into whatever it is that you're into yeah. and just and go for it with respect to that thing about finding something you like, that's a very, very hard thing to do. It's something I've really, really struggled with over the last five years. I've finally gotten there maybe in the last year. Yeah. But for people out there, there. Really, <laughs> yeah, but like people out there, don't stop uh, looking for it. I mean, and it's hard. You have to sign up for a lot of clubs, take a lot of cl- first classes without doing second ones. Yeah. Like just try so much stuff. Anything that comes into your imagination as a what if or this could possibly be it even in a million years, just go for it. Try yeah. it. And then... If you don't like it, don't do a second class or course or whatever, but just try these things out. Yeah, especially, I mean, especially when you're young, right? Like, yeah. Like, you know, I've got a kid now, and it makes it significantly more difficult to kind of ad hoc chase these yeah. kind of ideas when, when they come up. Uh, but when, when you're younger, when you're, you know, in college or just out of college or just going into college, like, there's, your time is almost limitless you yeah know? like i mean obviously it's uh contained by the parameters <laughs> of normal time but like like you you your responsibilities are at, at like the the lowest they'll ever be yeah. you know like you have school you have your your you know you have some financial responsibilities but like you know if you don't have kids and you don't have like a, a, a like a, a wife or a husband or uh, some type of partner then 
Uh, like, there's nothing big. There's tying nothing you down. really tying you yeah. down significantly. So like that's the time to like try as much as possible. Yeah, no, I'm a big believer in that. Okay, to wrap up, a couple of quick fires. Um, person who inspires you? Is that Jobs? Well, Jobs would definitely be one. Um, I've been on like an American history binge recently, so I've been <laughs> reading a lot about um like the Revolutionary War and the World War Two and stuff, and you know it's really interesting to kind of get a perspective from like the American founding fathers and like really like the risks that they took. I mean, talk about like really pursuing something full on, like it's, it's impressive to read about like John Adams and, you know, and what George Washington actually did. Like what, like I I had no idea that World War II or like, you know, and, and, and the revolutionary war were that close to being lost like really badly I didn't um, know that what resources are there that me or these guys can look so at the, to read the, the, the few books that I've read recently uh, there's a really great book on World War II and the battles in the Pacific called uh, Goodbye Darkness right. um, which is really great uh, and it just covers all the different um, uh, major battles uh, that happened uh, in the Pacific against Japan um, right. and it's really interesting uh, and then I read um, 1776 which is a big popular book yeah. around the like leading up to the uh, winning of the revolutionary war and right now i'm in the middle of john adams which is the same same author that wrote 1776 right. kind of talking about that um all really fascinating that's cool i love yeah. revolutionary stories as well so i've actually i've never looked into the american one i really should um the cuban one is probably my favorite part of history like oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's kind of it's i don't, I don't know really much about but, it but I well do. just seeing it from both sides and that's why i'm particularly interested in your study of marx um uh-huh. but it's 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 a, the idea of revolution against the man or against something the big rise of the is, proletariat right? yeah yep. all that stuff like it i don't know there's something romantic about it anyway so the, yeah good uh good resources why did you get out of bed in college and why do you get out of bed now you probably had some bloody rugby or football coach standing over you. Yeah, in college I had I had football pushing me out of bed um, early in the morning, way too early in the morning. <laughs> um, I was driven by, so I think it's interesting because you know everybody kind of has certain goals, but I think for me one of the things that drove me it's kind of a negative perspective, but I I really feared failure. Yeah. Yeah, you know? and so like. Um, and that that was what really drove me for the World Cup when I was playing rugby with the right. US. It's like I set this goal and I was like I did not want like I knew I really feared my feel the feeling that I would have if I didn't get that. Yeah. If I dedicated like four years of my life to this and I didn't achieve that end goal. Mm. Um so that like fear of failure was a was a big drive for me both in college and like immediately after college when I was yeah. still pursuing sports stuff. Um so I think like um like that I mean and also it's complemented with like a drive to succeed as well like yeah. so there's like you know, they, they complement each other sure. but um, uh, and then after like now um, I mean now I'm a parent right and like I really want like I I my my wife has just started a, com- a company right. and I'm like crazy proud of the track that she's gone down and like what she's been able to accomplish mm. and so for me now it's about like I want to set up other people right yeah. so I want to set her up as best as possible I want to set my son up um, and I've always had the goal I remember for when I was playing rugby like I got I I, I was able to succeed because of, uh, of the, I got carried on the backs of some other people like I had people that 
let me live at their house for free for like years right. and, and and would give me resources and Jeez. jobs and stuff so that I could survive you know and I always wanted to be I always had the goal um, you know in those kind of dark times when I was doing crappy jobs or yeah. whatever I was like I, I, like this will all lead hope, like I want this to lead to a point where I can like give back like I can provide these resources for somebody else who's yeah. pursuing a similar goal as this and yeah. needs those so I think you know now it's a, like I I'm driven by being able to provide for some other people nice. and that's my family immediately but then also hopefully down the road I can get into a situation enough where I could like you know have you know people whether they be athletes or in pursuit of some type of larger goal at a young age like accommodate them with housing or something yeah that's awesome okay I actually, I, no, I love that idea uh, lastly new question what is the change you'd wish to see in the world the change I wish to see in the world right now yeah man it's like I'm a, I'm a I'm a pretty political person like not not I wouldn't say I'm political but I'm I'm, I'm you're into politics I'm into politics yeah yeah uh, so like I'm, I'm I'm in touch with every all the craziness that's going on and it's pretty scary um, I would say that in the world I would really love to see um just the accommodation of of everybody's perspective like you said like like what we've been talking about the whole time like you have your own path as long as you're pursuing that path with like fervor and like yeah and it's a and it's a respectable path then like you Do should it. pursue it and, and people should re- honor and respect that yeah and I'm i feel like the that. same thing should be happening in like a political sphere or in a like religious sphere yeah. or whatever it may be that everybody needs to be respectful of everybody's path that they're taking that. nice people. <laughs> yeah. awesome well thanks so much for coming on man absolute pleasure i appreciate it take care team okie doke i hope you guys enjoyed that episode i certainly did um i love talking to pat fascinating guy really cool um and obviously incredible kind of uh, ex- range of experiences so far as well so a couple of things you said are new and a couple are definitely part of themes that we're seeing evolve over the episodes here. So one of the new things that he mentioned, and I'm surprised that it hasn't been brought up on the podcast before because it's such a prevalent theme among grads, is the idea of imposter syndrome, where you think you've arrived into um, an environment or a job that is above your standard and you think you're not good enough for it. Everyone gets it. Every grad gets it. Most people in any new job get it. Most people in a university environment would get it. Um, And if you have it, it's probably a good sign because it means you're in an environment that's going to challenge you. But if you have it, one other thing I'd say is that the chances are you shouldn't have it because everyone gets it. It's not indicative of you being um, out of your depth or anything like that. So uh, I wouldn't let it get to you too much and just kind of play through it and move past it and after a couple of months it will be uh, it'll be gone. And another thing about that, everyone gets it so your boss or the person whose opinion of you you're probably most afraid of or or who you feel judging you the most, they've probably had it in their past as well. So um move past it quite easily, I think it's not going to be a big deal. And another thing about imposter syndrome is that I I, I love Pat's analogy for it for Stanford where you look at everyone and everybody's all cool and calm and going to parties and that sort of thing but they're all incredibly high achieving at the same time and you wonder how they do it so effortlessly and he said they're like ducks paddling on a pond where 
they look like they're just doing nothing and chilling on the surface, but underneath the surface, they're paddling like crazy just to keep above water. That's a really good analogy for how it actually is. And so if you think that everybody is just kind of swanning around, pardon the, analogy, or pardon the pun, swanning around and not putting in any effort, the chances are to be there, they already either have put in an incredible amount of effort before in the past or are doing it just behind closed doors um, currently. One thing he said again was about university, and this is another theme that we're coming across where everyone is saying, make as much of your time there as you possibly can. Learn from other students, learn from professors, get involved in projects and societies and clubs, pursue passions, interests, sports, whatever it is. As we heard with them last week, she was saying that with any company, um, any kind of modern tech company will definitely look favorably upon you having pursued something to a high level, whether it's kite flying, rugby, rowing, anything like that. If you've committed to it, it reflects very positively on you. So go find something you're interested in, give it a crack while you have the time, and it will definitely pay off for you in the long run, even if you don't kind of make any money out of it or get any recognition for it in the short term. And lastly then, one thing Pat said, speaking from more experience than I can, given that he's got a family and, and um, in his 30s, you're never going to have more time in your life than you will right now. And so make sure you make the most of that, use it as much as you can, enjoy it. Because before long, you're going to have a lot more responsibility on your shoulders and you won't be able to do half the things that you have the opportunity to do now. So that's it for this week. Uh, tune in again next week. Let me know any feedback you have. I'd be interested to hear. And uh, chat next week.